You're listening to Mischief Media. Hey, Nonplus listeners. This week's sponsor is the OG nerd subscription box, Loot Crate. We love Loot Crate. We've got art, collectibles, and t-shirts from our own subscription adorning our shelves at this very moment. Why did you put t-shirts on a shelf? Well, I... I didn't. It's just, it's for the ad. We've got Loot Crate stuff, you know, decor. It would be weird to have t-shirts on a shelf. Yes, it would, but you could put it in a frame or if it's signed, you might shadow box it with other stuff. Loot Crate is the monthly subscription service that partners with entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture brands to deliver themed crates right to your little geeky hands. Choose from a ton of different crates from specific franchises like Marvel or general themes like anime, gaming, sci-fi, and more. Best part, they offer local shipping in a ton of different countries, so geeks around the world rejoice. To get 15% off your first Loot Crate order, you've got to use our very special link in the episode description. And when you're ready to purchase, use code NONPLUSSED and snag that discount. Use it for a gift, use it for a subscription, just don't use it late for dinner. What? Click the link in the episode description and use the code NONPLUSSED at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. I'll geek to that. And one for Mahler. And also, I can't hear this character. Character? Character. 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 <laughs> oh, haul out the holly and put some whiskey in this rocks glass again. Okay. Um, I any more whiskey. I haven't had any. Oh. Is there a cold open? <laughs> episode of non plus a gay romp through the disney plus vault that over there is my christmas kringly husband clancy and over there is my very festive husband josh oh so festive and we are non plus a mischief media podcast hello and happy holidays to everyone if you're hearing this the day it drops and you celebrate merry christmas yeah murray chrysler Happy, happy Cribbus. Happy Crambin. Happy Banana. Happy Banana, everyone. Uh, if you want a really nice gift for someone you forgot on your list, there's still time to order some of the awesome mischief stuff and get it before the end of the year. And I think. digital gift cards. Digital gift cards. Also, <laughs> yes, you could print that shit out and put it in a big, big box and be that asshole who makes somebody unwrap something huge and use just paper inside. Yeah. I love that. Moving on, um, this is our last episode of the year because in a week it will be January 1st. And what do we do in January? We take some time off. We do take some time off. Um, we may still post some things. Oh, no. We'll get to that in a second. But, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, it's fine. It's a little teaser. Yes. Yes. Um, but before we get to that, uh, Percy Jackson premieres uh, three days from recording. Uh, so on the 20th? Yeah. And early reviews are good. They had their like big premiere. It's, it hits the platform on the 20th. People sound excited. I'm excited for it. We'll link Variety's review in the description. Yeah. Yes. Also, we discussed this a bit last time, but Disney Plus and Hulu have a lot of shit. Um, but it, now it's like officially confirmed by this company called Ampere Analytics. <laughs> That's what this uh, Hollywood reporter is about. Like statistically, they have the most popular um library like in terms of public perception and you know basically it's all about stock projections and stuff in the article got it but yeah i mean in in case you needed confirmation these two combined apps are a buttload of content yeah they they really are and again we we were talking about it like we'll probably start pulling some movies from the hulu side i mean why not you know we'll dip our toes in the lakes of lake minnetonka later like (laughs) We don't have to rush into things is all I'm saying. Lake wanna peek a pee pee. Um, <laughs> Lake, it, Grumpy Lake, old man? come on, I wanna lay a, yeah, well, it's, we'll get there later. Maybe it's on Hulu. Who knows? That's what I'm finding out right now. But finally, there are some brand new trailers for both Echo and What If. As a refresher, uh, What If begins, I believe on the 22nd and they'll drop an episode a day 
for eight days straight mm. and then echo drops on January 9th. And it's all episodes almost as if it's a movie. They want you to binge this shit. Yeah. I'm excited for that. I am too. Early feedback on like, oh no, they're dropping it all on the same day because it's the first time they haven't done that in their sort of TV offering model. I just think given that it's a holiday release, given that it's the first title that will span both platforms, yeah. I think the idea is let's get them hooked. This was literally the Netflix model. The reason why people liked Netflix was because yeah. generally all their shows dropped all at once yeah, and people liked that. So why is vil Disney being villainized for trying know. something different? Because I we've discussed this previously about some of the series and how they've become appointment viewing. Loki has become appointment oh, yeah. viewing. WandaVision was appointment viewing just in the same way that like Game of Thrones was. So I think mixing the model based on the content has nothing to do with their confidence in the content no. and more to do with their target audience. No. And I mean, if the Marvels is any sort of indication, it did not do well. Uh, like successfully uh, I think that it's a good fucking movie it's a good movie and I think it didn't do I think it wasn't quote-unquote successful because so many mainstream outlets that provide opinions on Marvel content they're literally reaping what they sowed but they don't give a shit because they're getting clicks like the easiest way to make money on talking about Marvel content is to shit on it because one way or another you're yeah. getting engagement Either you're getting engagement from people who, who don't like it and like to be loud about it, or you're getting engagement from people who do like it and like to be loud about it. It's win-win. If you're just praising the content, you're only getting one of those audiences. Yeah. And I mean, the other side of this too was that like this was also very much coming out during the middle of a strike where no one could they promote it. promote it. They couldn't promote it. And so it, it was one of those things Imagine where- Imagine a press tour with the three of them talking about how hyped they were for this movie. Would have been delightful. It would have been because that's what really holds the movie together is that dynamic. Yeah. Or even sending um, the Khan family out on a press tour would have yeah. just been wholesome now, as shit. I am not vil villainizing the, the strikes at all. They needed to they happen. They needed to happen. And uh, I'm glad that they did. And I'm glad that they got exactly what they needed. But we have to remember performance like this in context. It didn't happen in a vacuum. No. The Marvels is not objectively bad because it underperformed. Yeah. No. Nor is it objectively bad because a bunch of headlines said so. And it's not, it's not bad because a bunch of neckbeards go after Thank every you. single Marvel. Female-led. Anything. The Ghostbusters. Like, it was a fucking great movie. I, I, I don't understand. Anyway, we, and, we, and we don't have to. The and point is. Let's get out of here. The point is, there's new Echo and What If trailers. Catch them. Uh, new Rockstars is already diving in. Yeah. And this will be our hiatus content. Yeah. We are going to very briefly cover the content of and our reaction to both What If and Echo. Mm -hmm. um, you know how hiatus works. We don't put as much effort into it, but we also don't want to suddenly like drop in listenership because we're not publishing anything. So you're going to get like our hot takes that are even less researched than this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's basically just going to be like, hey, we watched this. This is really like, this is what we thought about it. This is yeah. what you can I mean, expect. I'm excited for Echo. It looks I bloody as fuck. Like they are, they're going hard. They are. And I think, um, or rather I've seen some assertion that the whole spotlight category that they're creating some content around mm -hmm. they being marvel uh if you haven't heard or if we didn't talk about it basically they're starting to craft content craft character stories that are not disconnected from the greater universe but don't require the homework and echo yeah. is designed to be an uh a series that doesn't require the homework but the speculation that i mentioned is that they're also doing that so that they can get away with the mature rating Mm -hmm. So that, you know, because it's not a family thing, yeah. you're going to watch this thing separate. Well, I mean, and not for nothing, Deadpool, which is coming out next year. Or it's going to be R. It will be R. And I'm pretty sure they're going to go just as hard as they did on the other two. And they should. Like, but now that I think about it, I wonder, it makes me wonder as an R-rated film how much Feige and uh, the Mucky Mucks want to put pivotal story moments I think they're going to put a lot into it. Oh, but you know I think what? They did a PG-13 cut of Deadpool during the quarantine. They did. They did like it. And they, they brought in the dude from uh, Princess Bride. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, that could probably be what happens. But also, the, this started over 10 years ago. Yeah. Most of these teenagers that were watching this are now full-blown adults. Yeah, but when they you can consider that they're trying to bring in Young Avengers, but they I, might be trying to skew the audience a bit younger. But I feel like you can split. You can do all of it uh 
Well, sure, because when you and I were 13-year-olds independently, maybe less you than me, of course we were watching stuff yeah. that was, you know, I gun watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and, and I did sleep in the hallway, <laughs> and that's how my parents found out, because I couldn't go sleep downstairs alone. Yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, hiatus content. <laughs> yeah. Probably. All right. As always, our research comes from Wikipedia, IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, Box Office, Mojo, Clancy. What did we watch for our last film of the year? Oh, God. We watched Ernest Saves Christmas. Boy, did we ever. Released November 11th, 1988. I was just born. A scant month after Clancy's birth. Yeah. Which makes me feel old because guess what? I definitely saw this in theaters over Thanksgiving break. But you were five years old. I was. (laughs) So... I was um, directed by John Cherry, screenplay by Ed Turner and B. Klein. As for the cast, we've got, of course, the late Jim Varney as Ernest P. Worrell. Douglas Seal as Santa Claus and Seth Applegate. Oliver Clark as Joe Carruthers, the new Santa Claus. Noelle Parker as Pamela Trenton, Harmony Star. Gaylord Sarton as Chuck, storage agent. Bill Burge as Bobby Tulip, storage agent. Billy Bird as Mary Morrissey. Key Howard as Immigration Agent. Jack Swanson as Businessman. Buddy Douglas as Pyramus the Elf. Patty Maloney as Thisbe the Elf. Barry Brazell as Cab Passenger. George Kaplan as Mr. Dillis. Robert Lesser as Marty Brock. And Zachary Bowden as Boy in the Train Station. This movie was trash. (laughs) I did not enjoy this. I don't enjoy Jim Varney at all. And so... Not even in the Beverly Hillbillies movie? I I can't. His face, the way it just, his, uh, I I mean, it's the same kind of reaction that I have to Mr. Bean. I can't really watch Mr. Bean either (laughs) because it's just too, I don't know, it's just just too clownish and I can't, there were funny moments. Are you afraid of clowns? Is that what it is? Yes. Yes. Oh, well. But also, well, I mean. I mean, this is also what we're seeing here uh, to some extent is the. Opposite ends of the millennial spectrum. As an elder millennial, I ate this shit up as a kid. And as a younger millennial, it terrifies you. I, I just, I never really connected with it. I, and it's still even to this, but we'll, we'll, I we'll loved, talk about it. I loved being talked directly to by characters on TV. So I was hooked the first time I saw it. Oh, man. Here we go. God bless the master of this house, likewise the mistress too. And all the little children that from the table go, love and joy come to you, and to you your wassail too. And God bless you and send you a happy new year, and God send you a happy new year. Oh, Christmas tree, oh. A man claiming to be Santa Claus arrives in Orlando, Florida, where Ernest P. Worrell works as a taxi cab driver. Santa informs Ernest that he is on his way to tell a local celebrity named Joe Carruthers that he has been chosen to be the new Santa Claus. Joe used to host a popular children's program that emphasized manners and integrity. During their drive, runaway teenage girl named Harmony Star joins Ernest and Santa in the taxi. Upon reaching their destination, Santa realizes he has no real money and only possesses play money. Ernest lets him ride for free, resulting in Ernest losing his job. Santa tries to talk to Joe at the Orlando Children's Museum, but is interrupted and dismissed by Joe's rude agent, Marty Brock. Santa becomes worried when he discovers his sack is missing and feels discouraged due to his increasing forgetfulness at the age of 151. So as we get into these titles, uh, most of these people are dead. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And it is kind of ridiculous that uh, an earnest movie begins with all of these dead people's names Um, on top of Norman Rockwell. Yeah. uh, Art. I just thought that was goofy. I can't hear this Carol and not think of the Gurgiches. Oh, yeah. Here we go a-caroling among the leaves so green. Here we come a-wandering so fair to be seen. Love and joy come to you, and to you God Christmas too. And God bless you and send you a happy new year. And God send you a happy new year. (laughs) But for like the first 10 minutes of this movie, we're getting the setup of what ostensibly is a wholesome Christmas movie. I yeah. think the promise of that is made good on, but it is made good on specifically for fans of Ernest. And that's my biggest problem is that, like, I don't care for Ernest. And there are these weird glimpses of him being 
smart, but it's just overshadowed by the malarkey that goes Ernest on. Ernest always turns it out at the end. I think that's why he was such a I could beloved see how, character. I could see how that would be endearing, but my God, was it just so... It's it's hard to watch. Based on the book Stone Cold Bummer by Manipulate. Speaking of 9-11, customs in... Airports! Airports, my just God. Just so blasé. I hate this job. Something wrong? Is this your real name? <laughs> it's the name I'm known by, yes. Sure. Why not? Thanks, Skippy. There was a woman whose entire hair was made of shoes. And I think what she said is, uh, pre-9-11, when Customs was more concerned with you bringing in illegal bananas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I have distinct memories of being like, oh, can't have any fruit with you. Point being, this airport experience is a wild one, to say the least. It is. And I, I a little bit remember of how that was like, because I flew very early on, like parents being able to take you to the gate oh, yeah, and yeah, that yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. thing. and. It's just now, it's just, it's like you watch something like this, it's just so foreign. Yeah. It's like. Well, and here's, uh, they, their depiction of Santa delights and confuses me in equal parts because why not use any of his other pedestrian names like Chris Kringle or Nicholas Krimbus or Popo Gijo or whatever else? Yeah. Popo, what? I don't know. Okay. But yes, I get, I get where you're coming from. But we get to Ernest driving his taxi. This is how I sing Christmas carols and, quite frankly, songs I don't know. <laughs> just saying the title over I and just over. repeat the same lyric over and over to the melody. Christmas tree, oh 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 Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. Hey, buddy, hurry up. I got to get to the airport. There's that one um, that Corey and Joey sang for us that one time. It was, um, so no one told you life was going to be this way. So no one told you life was going to be this way. I got another one. You better watch out. You better watch out. You better watch out. You better watch out. Yes. Can we talk about the businessman that the Santa Santa Cl- yeah that's talking to that like this interaction between them seems sort of genuine like it doesn't really feel until Santa dips off into senility and the guy's <laughs> just not paying any attention whatsoever and you know I'm afraid I really should have done this last year I don't think I've quite got the magic for another trip that's how I feel every time they send me to Pittsburgh <laughs> Oh, there was a time when I could remember every name on my list. Lot of contacts. Oh, all over the world. And now I have trouble recalling who was naughty and who was nice, who asked for a toy truck, and who wanted a bicycle. Sounds like a database problem. Okay, dude. Yeah, well, and he's like, it, together. it sounds like a database problem that he doesn't know all of his contacts. Yes! All Christian, Jesus-loving kids Santa addresses this later. He says that not all of them have Santa included in their beliefs, but there is a figure in there. You don't have to come for them yet. This is a remarkably visually diverse movie. You pointed it, it out in the jail cell. We'll I did. get to it. But there are people of color in every scene. And yeah. this film came out in 1988. There are little tiny things of it in here that are like, oh, that's kind of progressive. Yeah. But there are some... Things that aren't. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Very, very much so. Some of the tropes that we visit from the, you know, 80s films in general, the whole live action cartoon that is Chuck and Bobby in receiving. Oh, yeah. Bunsen and Beaker walked so these two could run. Rain, sleet, hail, the Super Bowl, the 4th of July. Bobby, if it weren't for us, this airline would never oh. get off the ground. Ain't that right, oh. Bobby? I guess if you want things done right, you gotta do it yourself. Yo, Bob, break's over. I I will say that I did enjoy those scenes, except for the eye going back and forth. I, that was, I, I get that that's a thing that he does in earnest movies or whatever. Well, but and like, again, I, I, I probably trailed off on it earlier, but the, 
Ernest became a morning sketch comedy show for kids. Yeah. So, again, knowing their target audience with this. Yeah. Ernest got to do all these different characters. He's got a whole fucking family tree on the Wikipedia. The, the character, Ernest P. Worrell, has his own Wikipedia entry page. Oh, and wow. it goes into all of these different characters and family members and blah, 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 blah. Got it. And that's what they end up using in the, in the film for his various disguises. But also these recurring characters and themes that are very earnest like, mm-hmm. like with Chuck and Bobby. I will say he keeps referring to his bag as his sack and it's, it's uh, visceral. And redundant <laughs> and hilarious. The number of type. Well, and I, it's, I don't think it's an accident because also what's Ernest's taxi number? 69. Nice. So there's some degree of awareness of what they're doing here. Yeah. And I think it's honestly a finely threaded line for an 80s film. Yeah, I would say that. I don't think that this movie is inappropriate We've for We've seen anyone. films where adult women kiss literal children and they're supposed to be wholesome. By that comparison, this does better. No, very much so. There's a lot of little like quick one-liners. You rolled your eye every time. I think examining this script a little bit explains why my sense of humor is the way it is. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. But I do love the exaltation of Christmas trees. Ah, smell those Christmas trees. You can keep your channel number five. Just give me a whiff of the old lonesome pine. That symbol of brotherly love. That centerpiece that all mankind gathers around to share the cranberry sauce shaped like a can. Oh, yeah, when when the tree falls off the... Just before, yes, yeah, yeah, just yeah. before this uh, comedy of horrors happens <laughs> on the freeway in Florida. I was like, is this Final Destination? That's <laughs> I literally have Ernest's Final Destination. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I guess this, this, this walked so that Final Destination could run. I guess. But speaking of uh, potentially harmful 80s tropes, mm-hmm. you kept asking about her throughout the film, but we get Harmony hopping into this cab, no question. Now... Oh. Another 80s film would have immediately had her offering him a Hummer for a ride somewhere, but that's not what happened. No. Well, not to worry, little lady. You're safe with us. Thanks. I'm, uh, I'm Harmony Star. Remember that name, because I'm going to be famous someday. Oh, this is Ernest. I'm Santa Claus. Surprised? Harmony Star. With two R's. My goodness. I feel like when I was doing my drag rebranding, if we had watched this before then, I might have chosen Harmony Star as my stage Harmony name. Harmony Star. Hi, everybody. I'm Harmony Star. <laughs> um, she's from the Midwest, I guess. She's, she's from the, the Midwest. She's not even Jennifer Coolidge. She's she just, drinks white wine. Uh, spritzers. White wine Spr- spritzers. White spritzers. And, uh, anyway, when you think about it, this plot is more or less the Santa Claus, except he's bordering on senility and seeking retirement and a successor uh, so he can get some rest rather than being murdered by a racist former Coke dealer who somehow still has a series. Oof. Anyways, this enema bulb of an agent shows up yeah. at the children's museum, tosses his keys at a postman because he thinks he's the valet. Oh, jingle bells, checkbooks, wells, big deals on the way. Hey, babe, pocket in the shade. What do you say? All right. How you doing that? The wrong person gets punched in this movie, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a- Violence is never the answer, kids. But this guy needs to walk into a tree. Might get ran over by a bus, something. He's awful. As you were saying, it's kind of wholesome. Like Joe is super wholesome. Yeah. In this. Like it really reads like uh, he's not a threat to any children. He is. Except really... for when he's standing crotch first in, t- in front of a t- giant magnifying glass. <laughs> that was Why un- were they staging it that way? <laughs> that was unfortunate. I don't think that was his fault. No. And this museum volunteer whose name we find out later is Mary. She straight up has helmet hair. Oh, yeah. She looks like the description of Sally Field's hair in Steel Magnolias. This is a brown football. Oh, honey, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> also, um, <laughs> when he's realizing that his sack is lost. My goodness, my sack. That's what I say every time oh I'm Belvedere. My, oh, my God. <laughs> Again, the, the sack gag is just. Every time. 
anytime they, they don't describe it as a bag, it's always a sack. His big magical sack. I mean, get it checked out. Are you like, ready to continue? Let's move on. Ernest later discovers that Santa left his magic sack in the taxi and decides to find Santa and return it to him. Marty refuses to believe Santa's predicament and has him arrested. To help Santa escape from jail, Ernest pretends to be an employee of the governor and harm any poses as the governor's niece. They convince the police chief to transfer Santa to a mental hospital. Santa explains to Ernest and Harmony that he became Santa Claus in 1889 and has enjoyed the role, but the magic weakens over time. To restore it to its full strength, he must pass the job on to someone else, which is why he needs to find Joe and make him the new Santa Claus before 7 p.m. Do you know what malapropism is? Malapropism. Yep. It's where you're misusing props that are provided. You're half right. It's where you're misusing words that sound like other words. Ah, yes. And it was a joke style made famous by a character named Miss Malaprop in these old manners plays. Mm. And Ernest kind of revived the style in a way. A good example is like when someone says Kel Fromage instead of Kel Damage. One means, oh no, like what damage, literally. And the other means, oh no, what cheese. You're always pulling this stuff, Ernest. Knocking down the meters, giving free rides to every hobo you come across. But Mr. Dillis, this wasn't just a hobo. This guy was different. Call it clairvoyancy. Call it extrasensory perspiration. I just had this hunch. I am not running a charity operation here. This is a business, and a business is supposed to make money. People LOL be this shit. That's the note I had about it. So that's how I felt about it at the time. This reaction to the deer, however, is absurd. I, I think I hear something. First of all, the way they punch their, their way out of those crates. My God. Yeah. Aggressive. So aggressive. And then throughout, they're not, we never see these reindeer actually fly. They we just, just see them on the ceiling. We, we hear a sound effect of them whooshing up and then suddenly cut to them upside down. Bouncing off the ceiling. Honestly, it's objectively more terrifying than anything just to see them on the ceiling. Yeah. The animal control officers who show up later have the right reaction. No, the uh, FAA. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, this isn't us. Going back to Ernest, why, why is Harmony just hanging out with this stranger? Again, it's this 80s trope of smart Alec girl who can do it herself and right, but like she's scrappy and resourceful. She but just invites herself to everything he's doing. She's a survivalist. She's just trying to find a non-threatening figure to get her from point A to point B. Yeah, I guess that's fair. And unless you're Vern, Ernest is pretty non-threatening. Well, unless you're Vern or a taxi passenger, Ernest is pretty, well, you, you see, you get what I'm talking yeah. about. And the note I had was, here's the spunky progressive girl trope. We've talked about it multiple times this year on this show alone, but then Ernest, doesn't make her feel judged for her beliefs and yeah. just says, pork's my meat. I hope he's got something I can eat, not just a lot of things made out of white sugar and red meat. You know, I think eating red meat makes people really overly aggressive. So they, like, kill people and stuff. You know what I mean? You're right as rain, pudding. Pork's my meat. And all I could think of, you know what all I could think of. Cook my meat. From that SNL sketch. So good. With... Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Pedro Pascal. Here, in case you don't know what we're talking about, here's a clip and I'll link the whole thing in the description. <laughs> Lisa, do you always order steaks like that? I didn't know you could get them extra, extra well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cook my meat. I don't want to see not one speck of red. I can't be getting sick tonight. I got to be in court in the morning. Well, you're a lawyer? Oh, uh, yeah. She is actually the lead litigator on a class action shoot against Walmart. <laughs> yeah, a couple of their coin star machines exploded. I ain't got to tell you what happened next. Our whole show can't be clips from other shows, but it's our that's show. how our brains work. How many times are we going to reference The Office and 30 Rock this episode? We oh, should do a bingo card. I forgot. I already that. said hard to watch earlier, so. They call New York the Big Apple. Never seemed that way to me. I used to have dreams. I was an all-city running back, and I was going to run out of here. 
to college, to suburbs. Now the only thing I use a football for is as a toilet. Funny thing that happened to a guy named Lucky. I forgot that Vern, I'm remembering that Vern was always the first person. That you, the viewer, were always Vern. And so in a way, you were meant to not like Ernest to some degree. Because Vern doesn't like him. Yeah, I didn't realize what was happening. And everybody suddenly, they go inside this house and then suddenly everyone is straight into the barrel of the camera. And I was like, I don't like this. Abort. Get out. I don't want to watch this anymore. If you're not familiar with that being a, like an earnest sh- trope, uh, earnest yeah. sh- <laughs> an, an earnestism. I haven't had any alcohol today. And here's what I don't think you know is that Ernest was actually developed as a character by an ad company mm. and he was used in like local advertising. Oh, I could. So you could, if you were a client of this ad company, that was an option. You could have an Ernest commercial there. I I remember there was a channel two one, like Houston news channel two or something Mm -hmm. that he did a personal one for. He did one for a Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders appearance. That's what the commercials always were. Him talking to Vern about whatever the product was. Got it. Okay. And it was always on TV. So the audience was more likely to know, even if they weren't, necessarily earnest fans that this was something to this expect. This was something that, you, yeah, should yeah. I, again, I didn't like it and I was happy when we were out of this scene. So sending a, they described a vagrant to. Yeah, he said, is vagrancy a capital crime? Yeah. Which as a concept is frightening. Ernest saying that is fairly progressive. I was just like, yeah, okay. In, in defense of Santa, this is what I'm saying. There are parts of this yes. that are in fact remarkably uh, contemporary progressive exactly the wording Current. not so much no. um but you know anybody that is experiencing homelessness they do get harassed by the police and sometimes yes detained for no reason i arrived here just today i had a simple job to do and then everything started to get unraveled first i lost my sack and now this if you'd only take a moment and just try to understand come on pops you and me got some paperwork to do. You're making a very big mistake. But also, again, think about uh, how an ad company might create a character. And also that this became a character in a Saturday morning mm-hmm. kids sketch show. You have to be open and accessible to everyone. Oh, yeah. You want maximum impact. You want to hit all those four quadrants. If Ernest is selling you Pizza Hut, which I have a comment on later, everybody, the, Pizza Hut doesn't want anyone thinking that's not for me Mm -hmm. so sort of by design this film has to be that yeah it's almost like pg-13 sesame street in a way oh yeah it's it it sits somewhere between sesame street and avenue q (laughs) (laughs) it's it's a that's a that's a big gap i do like the snowflake fingerprints that was a fun gag it was because when you learn about fingerprints as a kid what do you learn that all of them are different like snowflakes snowflakes that's fun. That's but now cute. consider that when this magic is transferred, the the recipient goes through a genetic transformation that changes their fingerprints. I wonder if that's painful. Like, are we missing the searing pain that he's going through? Anyway, um, I'm reading too much into it, which yeah. is par for the course. When you think about it, this little bowl cut with a Coke can when they're auditioning Joe to be this person in this horror movie about oh, Christmas. Yeah. She looked sinister to me, and I can't figure out why. There was something about her gripping that Coke can and smiling at him endearingly that frankly terrified me. Back to Harmony. Oh, sure. Clearly, this bag is magic, right? They go through this whole insane montage of pulling, honestly, pulling things out of a man's sack. Unless I'm wrong, and I hardly ever am, this is for you. Ain't that just exactly what you wanted for Christmas? What are you, crazy? Totally unawesome. No, man, get with it. I need something major. Okay, okay, that was just for practice. Now I'm in the groove. Now I am at one with the magic. How about this? Like it? That's you. (laughs) And she still doesn't believe he's Santa Claus or at least magical to, in and of itself. She's literally witnessing magic and it's still like, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. 
But this is where Pizza Hut comes back in. Them heading back with a sack. I got, for some reason, a sen- a very specific sense memory mm-hmm. of a of enjoying a kid's personal pan pizza in a dimly lit Pizza Hut that still had a salad bar and those stained oh, glass lamps, yeah. which you can still buy. There's like somebody still making those Pizza Hut lamps, like the ma- original manufacturer of those lamps. They never signed any sort of exclusivity. Yeah, so, so you, you can, can still, still buy. Them, yeah. What is it? Um, that uh, I only know him by his online name, Adam Tots, the cartoonist who used to work for BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. His guest room is all Pizza Hut. Oh my god! <laughs> I have to find it. I'll link that. Too. That's the. I mean, whoa! I do not hate Ernest's exterior home decor generally, or his exterior holiday decor sensibilities. I'm here for all of it. Yeah, and I will say that house is probably like $600,000 right now oh, yeah. in Florida. Honestly, Florida or LA, wherever this house is, that it's worth more yeah. than half a million dollars. And it's cute. I don't I remember as a kid thinking, "Oh, wow, Ernest lives in a house full of junk." I feel like if I were still a bachelor at that age, my house would probably be chock full of weird shit that I had fun stories for. Oh yeah. It already is, and I'm a married man. <laughs> Well, and he's got like working appliances. Nothing is broken. He's like, got his shit together enough. For a bumbling person that drives a rickety old truck, he is surprisingly competent. And again, it's why he's endearing. It's why it yeah, works. I guess. You don't have to like it to admit that it's functional, Clancy. It is functional, and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I also had a note here, probably when you were complaining about Harmony. Loner teen girl is an 80s trope. Clancy, calm down. <laughs> oh yeah i mean again it was just like, even when like her real name comes out which is what like uh, janine pamela pamela something they say her name pamela and then they t- she turns to the camera suddenly her bun and all of her hair uh, accoutrement her are braids gone, are gone and she's got this blowout it's when santa is clocking her for who she is now yeah this is the only time Santa clocks a lie the entire movie. Everyone else is lying to him the entire time. But here, he's like, I got you, Pamela Thornton. And <laughs> poof, her braids disappear. That she's The sun is setting behind her. The wind is blowing through. It's like the scene in National Lampoon when Griswold's looking out the window and imagining the woman in the bathing suit in his pool. Except if it were a teenager and it's a little bit weird. But anyways, it, it, we then cut immediately back to the ponytail being back. Yeah. It's just like it, goofy. It's the magic of Christmas, Clancy. It's the magic of Christmas. Oh, my God. Speaking of, we finally get the clock, the terms, whatever, like what we're actually trying to set out to do. 20 minutes in. Well, we get first them sneaking into the jail after it's never explained exactly on what grounds he is arrested. No. Again, he is just being brought in. It would be different if he was brought in for questioning or, hey, we need to figure out who you are. Tossed in a drunk tank. Whatever. But he is booked fingerprinted he gets a mug shot yeah how rude it, it doesn't make any fucking none sense. of us kids getting shit for christmas because you're on the naughty list yeah i do like that in the jail cell he turned everyone to his side everyone they go in to to break santa out once they realize this is his sack he's trapped all of this is real yeah she's still acting like she doesn't believe despite the fact that you know Ernest tries fisting just happened in front of her and yep. every time was a magic toy pulled out of Santa's sack. No. Here we get another one of uh, Jim Varney's Ernest characters. It's Aster Clement. Mm. He's Ernest's rich uncle or something. Got it. But in this, he's the governor's aide and she does this kind of cringy Lolita thing as the governor's niece. Clement here, Aster Clement. I'm with the governor's state correctional institutional prisoner fair treatment task force and this is the governor's niece mendy <laughs> mendy's writing a school paper on how government really works how nice this is a surprise inspection chief <laughs> now wait just a minute do you need an education to be chief or can just anybody do it we had to fight our way through an army of tv cameramen just to get in here now look here i don't know what spi on ks or yeah, it got real weird so quickly. And I was just like, uh, oh no, why? And I guess I'm of two minds. About, like, ultimately, yes, it feels cringy. It is cringy. But the character seems to have some agency in it. Also, the fact that Harmony was able to flip like that into a character. Yeah. And be able to just com- completely commit. She knows how to manipulate. 
oh, to yeah. survive. It was, it, and even at the end, she's just like, ha ha ha, I got him. I knew that would work. Yeah. Hook, line, and sinker. He didn't like his manhood being quite like she gets it to a yeah. degree. All right, let's move out of here. Let's keep going. Ernest uses a series of disguises to sneak Santa into a movie studio. Marty pressures Joe to abandon his focus on teaching goodness to children and instead take a role in a horror film called Christmas Slay, which deeply offends Santa. Santa punches the director in response. Meanwhile, two holding dock workers receive crates marked for release to helper elves. The workers argue over the shipping papers and crates contents, which are revealed to contain flying reindeer. They seek help from animal control, but the reindeer amaze them by walking on the rare ceiling. Santa finally tracks down Joe at his home and explains the importance of passing on the Santa Claus position. Joe initially declines, but later changes his mind when he refuses to use foul language in front of children on the film set. Ernest and Harmony discover the magic of Santa's sack, but Harmony, whose real name is Pamela Trenton, abuses it. She steals the sack, but eventually returns it after her conscience prevails. Again, looking at this and having enjoyed this as a child and who mm -hmm. I am today, we meet another Ernest character in Aunt Nelda. Okay. Now, <laughs> hold on just a minute. Where is he? Where is Martin? I need him to help me with my will. Having walked from the airport, I'll be dead soon. I don't know what to do. He's with a client. That's life for you. You have two sons, one good, one bad. And wouldn't you know it with my luck? The good one dies. But Mrs. Brock, I'm sure he didn't know you were coming. Don't side with him, honey. There's no future in it. Just tell me where he is. This was the highlight of the movie for me. Ernest in drag doing this character, fucking fierce. Not even altering like, his voice. No, in fact, going deeper. Yeah, no. It, I love this character. Fucking fierce. Yes, queen. This is what I wanted. If it, if it were that movie, right. I'd be great. It, it was fleeting. It lasted. It was it was very short. And again, all of this was to do was just to go and get the location of where they were shooting the or where this dude was. Yeah, where the film was being shot. Yeah. So it there was that's the only purpose that it served. And, and it was they went hard. It was very funny for him running out like, oh yeah, work like a charm. And yeah. he, just moving in this big titty fat suit situation and hopping into that truck was just and then he brings out his character Lloyd Rowe, who is a snake handler character on the Ernest Show. I got a truckload of snakes for them horror movie folk. Well, I better take a look. Careful now. They be pison. Pison snakes. One minute, you big, trapping, healthy man, and the next. Snap. You're dead meat. Meat fit. I better check it out. Careful now. Snakes are venomous. They're not poisonous. Yes. Things that you consume are poisonous. Venom is a... It's a Injected. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. There's your knowledge The more you know. For the day, kids. Um, um, <laughs> would Santa punch someone? Would the real Santa punch someone? Hell yeah. <laughs> I own a sleigh. I mean, I don't see what this no, has no, to do with... Sleigh. Sleigh? Not sleigh. Slay, S-L-A-Y. What? It's about an alien from outer space, and he comes and he terrorizes a bunch of kids over Christmas vacation. Terrorizes children, did you say? Yeah. What? Christmas? Oh, whoa. Oh. Where did he come? Some of the more contemporary iterations of Santa have been kind of feisty. You've got the one from that one DreamWorks uh, cartoon about all the different holiday characters. I forget what it was called. Uh, yeah, um, I can't remember. And then you've got that other one with the guy from Stranger Things who's like help, like a family's getting robbed on Christmas Eve. Oh, yeah. And Santa's like, I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. I did like Krampus. Krampus was fun. You did. I, I would have, I mean, if this were done contemporarily, I would have loved this movie to have been like, Christmas slay, the boots house down. <laughs> like, but then we would have been exclusionary because Santa would have been against that. Uh, we, like, that could have easily been rewritten. I guess, yeah, that wouldn't have worked. Especially Anyways. after Ernest just succeeded in okay, drag. Well, thanks, for, thanks for ruining my joke. <laughs> well, I tell you once and I'll tell you again. You got to think them through first. Oh, my God. <laughs> so we get another thing that's like consistent Ernest- Nonsense are these various catchphrases. 
110 and a 220. You know what I mean? You know what I mean, Vern, is still in my vocabulary today. That's where that comes from. Yes, sir. Okay. Here I have the note. Why is it that this that Santa can't see through lies? He saw through the one. He can see Harmony for who she really is. Maybe it's the magic dying and rotting his brain that he can't see through all of these other lies that people are telling him. Dementia Santa? Uh, no, the... Oh <laughs> Syphilitic Santa? Syphilitic Santa. Uh, no, I think that the implication here was that he was trying to give her the benefit of the doubt. He knew that there sure. was a problem, but he wasn't going to stop her because he doesn't want to intervene. Yeah. It's not his job to intervene. But at the same time, he was hoping that uh, her conscience would prevail. Again, a surprisingly wholesome message oh, yeah. from this slapstick buffoonery. Yeah. This absolute buffoonery. I mean, we kind of glossed right over the absolute damage to Vern's house. Oh, yeah. And this is, what I, again, what they always manage to position Ernest being... Anyway, point is, that's kind of how those ads... Oh, we're structured on concept. Um, she's a dirty little sack thief. That's the note that I had here. <laughs> dirty little sack thief. When she's swapping out the sacks because she's got to figure out eventually how to manipulate the magic to give her a million yeah. dollars in small unmarked bills. <laughs> I mean, she knows what she's about. She does. Uh, would you put this in the pickup? Trust people. It pays off more often than you think. You ready to go? Me? Um, no. No, I, I, I gotta meet my cousin, you know? She, she's here in town, and, and uh, she called me. She said she had some, some clothes for me, so I'm gonna go on and... Try them on, you know, see see if they fit and stuff. I I'll see you guys later. Bye. Okay? Wish us luck. Oh, yeah. Luck. She did what we thought she was going to do. Yeah. It didn't subvert my expectations about her. Uh, I knew that she was, the moment that she sat down at the train station and saw the kids, yeah. I was like, okay. Here we go. It's one of these. It's going to be that. And then we cut away from this. For like 10 minutes. And then we come back to her still in the train station, contemplating whether or not what well, she's yes. doing is a bad thing. When she bought the ticket, we found out that she was going to be waiting for a couple hours for that train. I know, but so they got a show. I know, and I get it. The clock, Clancy, whatever. It's they a... have decided to show rather than tell. <sighs> but in that 10 minutes, Santa makes it to Joe's house. Yeah. Without his magic sack. He has no way to prove. You were like, why didn't she just why, wait? Yeah. why? If he knew that she had and that she was going to make this mir miraculous turnaround. Why not give her the time? Right. Because I, mean, uh, well, uh, I was more focused on how he said, I know it's feathers. You have the magic inside you. And what's this supposed to be now? My magic sack of toys? Look, it's feathers. It's just feathers. I know it's feathers. The real sack was taken, but I am sure, I have absolute faith that it will be returned. At the Children's Museum, right. Pun intended, it was the most earnestly delivered line in oh the film. Oh my God. Because intend your puns, you <laughs> cowards. But I think that line also still hits home the idea that he knew that it was going to be a bag of feathers. Like, he knew that she stole the sack. And it opened up her eye. She stole the sack. You got anything else? I do. What is this Orlando train station? I've never seen it. I didn't look it up. I, I, I've i got some notes about now, filming locations later, so maybe it's in there. I do think that that is the real Orlando train station because I was watching that YouTube video of the guys taking the new Brightline train. Oh, yeah. And I remember them stopping at a station that looked kind of like well, that. Well, all right. So there we go. We also have this moment. Pamela Harmony is coming to the right side of things where these kids are fighting. Are we going to miss Santa? No, honey. He only brings your presents if you're good. Bobby, sit down here. Bobby, don't be a dick to your sister. I mean, effectively. And this is also where you turned to me and said, Bobby, baby. Bobby, baby, Bobby, booby. Bobby, 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 Bobby,
was something we wanted to say. That's from Company. Yes. You're welcome. The last note of the section I had was, ah, shit, here's another trope. This time, a less wholesome one. It's a wise old black man giving a white man advice. Hey, you look like something's awfully wrong. Let's judge somebody that's on. Well, you can't judge a book by its cover. No way. Oh, well. If I could be wrong about one person, I guess I could be wrong about another. But at least he's giving it to a peer, to a like an older white man. Yeah. Not exactly a peer, because it's still, ooh, it's very, again, here's another 30 Rock reference. You sure about that? Because like all black actors, I have a lot of experience playing a wise black fellow who gets reluctant white people to do things. Well, I'm just an old fool, of course, and I don't know much about politics or the like, but I do know America's kind of like this here crab apple tree. John Fitzgerald Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> Point is, oh it happened. And now it's time to Christmas slay the slay. end of this podcast. On Christmas Eve, Ernest and the helpers meet Santa's elves at the airport, retrieve the reindeer and sleigh and fly to the children's museum. Although Ernest initially struggles to control the sleigh, they eventually make it to the museum. Joe witnesses the flying reindeer and sleigh, confirming Santa's claims. Joe turns down the acting job and decides to become the new Santa Claus. The new Santa uses his magic to make it snow over Orlando, and Ernest and the helpers arrive just in time as Pamela decides to go home after calling her mother. The new Santa chooses Pamela as his special helper and promises to take her home after the journey. Ernest becomes the sleigh driver for the night. The old Santa resumes his identity as Seth Applegate, and spends Christmas Eve with a museum employee named Mary Morrissey. At 7 p.m., the new Santa takes off to deliver gifts. The movie ends with two dock workers receiving a crate marked E-Bunny, hinting at a future adventure that I don't think ever happened. These elves, mm -hmm. I love them. Yeah, they, they them coming onto screen, I was like, this is, this is fun. I think it works and does not feel too exploitative. You can get situations in Hollywood and film, Wizard of Oz is famous for it, where, uh, Smaller people were not treated well, yeah. but they feel in on the joke here and they feel like they're having fun with it. Even when they're at customs giving their IDs. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah. Is this really you? No, no, no. I got no way bill. I got no second party pickup release. I got no customs quarantine waiver. Well, then you ain't got no reindeer because we're saving them for a fellow named Helper Elms. Helper Elms. You got an ID? Ta-da! Well, that ought to do it. Ta-da! <laughs> it takes up their hats. And then again, in terms of like agency and stuff later, they're actively trying to kill Ernest for fucking things up. <laughs> yeah, for real. It's great. Their names, Pyramus and Thisbe, I think they come from like uh, Roman or Greek mythology, but they're also directly referenced in A Midsummer Night's Dream. It's the play that the rude uh, mechanicals do. Okay. The story of Pyramus and Thisbe. Thisbe is played by Patty Maloney. She is not only still alive, but like she's been an active actress mm. before this and like up through the mid 2000s. Yeah. God love her. Santa gave the director a black eye. Fucking delightful. <laughs> so the fact that a Santa inflicted violence on this director who was ruining Christmas effectively and ruining movies. What movie is that? It was Christmas sleigh. It was Christmas sleigh. Um, anyways. But they're at the signing meeting this late in the day. It's so dark. It's Christmas Eve and they're all working this way. Like, no, th this is absolute stupidness. It's such a stupid trope and I don't see it as much anymore. No. But like, you know, the Christmas consultant, all these movies. Hook. That Hook. Yeah. It, it's always been a trope. Mm, Which is also I'm kind of so... a Christmas movie when you think about it. Oh my God, we got to watch Hook. Oh my God, we could do Hook, huh? Not on here. I just mean you and I, we got to watch Hook. Maybe while putting our Legos together. Oh, that might be fun. Ernest also refers to the elves as his little gherkin buddies. Uh-oh. He's going to kill us. He's going to kill us. Don't you worry, my little gherkin buddies. The vehicle ain't been made that I can't drive. Ah! That sounds like it borders on problematic. It does a little bit. Uh, my next line here is that this comedy of errors is about to solve itself. 
all of these things are just bumbling into the same direction of all the gin joints and all the world. Everything yeah. ends up in this one place. Somehow Air Force radar is now a problem, though it's never been a problem for Santa in 151 years or whatever. That, and also they're not over airline airspace anymore. No. Like they took off. Also, also, Mary is asking the most inappropriate questions. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, did you ever find your sack? Yes. It was taken again. By who? A little girl called Pamela Trenton. Yes, Mary. Never ask a man about his sack when you've just met him, Mary. You haven't no, told him your you name yet. Absolutely do, Mary. <laughs> yes, Mary. Get it, Mary. <laughs> Slay, Mary. I do love how much the elves hate Ernest. I do too. Like this. Pyramus at one point is lunging for his neck. <laughs> on to your later hosen razor ears we're gonna drop under their radar because Ernest is literally just pulling knobs to pull knobs who among us yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like to pull a knob I don't know what you're talking about oh. Seasons gropings. But yeah, I mean, what else is there to say? It comes to an end. Joe accepts Santa. He magically transforms into Santa. Maybe it's painful. Having all of that knowledge thrust on you at in a millisecond probably doesn't feel good Never mind either. the physical changes, all of the hair coming back and turning white, yeah. his fingerprints changing to snowflakes. I think he got taller. What happened to his family? Is he alone in the world? I think that's why he goes to his house mm. is so that it's clear that he does not have a wife or family because he knows that he's about to get that Mrs. Claus poon. Mm. <laughs> that poor woman. You just, first of all, you just said poon. <laughs> and that's a bit much for a Christmas episode. Puss. Why tis we, the season for puss? Apparently, <laughs> that's another unanswered question. Does he just inherit that? Is that woman? Is she being trafficked? This just got super so dark. dark. This just got <laughs> real dark. And <laughs> Ernest, you have some shit to answer for. Oh shit, he's dead. Um, oh bless the late Jim uh, Barney. And that, my friends, was Ernest saves Christmas. Um, it was made for six point five million and made twenty eight point two. It was a commercial success. I mean, I, I, for a Christmas, it wasn't, uh, I want to say cinematographer, like, uh, uh, shot, mm, cinematography, cinematography wise, it didn't look bad. No. Um, I mean, you know, yeah, it was a little bit grainy or whatever, but I mean, it was shot in 88. I wouldn't expect it to be too bad, but like, Honestly, it, it wasn't good. shot terribly except for the fucking Vern's house. Uh, we got Richard Corliss from Time Magazine who said only marginally insufferable the, the Ernest movie is a big screen example of the TV sitcom tendency to go broad and sappy with a token Yuletide show each December. Sure. And Luke Y. Thompson from New Times, whatever that means, yeah. uh, says a Christmas classic, Jim Varney, Jim Varney is sorely missed in my heart. Uh, he wrote that in 2004. Bless him. Uh, audience score is 42%. Uh, critics was 36 if I didn't say that. I th Because you had a dash there, I was like, negative 42%? How does that happen? <laughs> I agree, but... It's a hyphen. <laughs> it's just a hyphen. Matthew B. In, uh, on Christmas Eve of 2018 said, The name is Santa Claus. Well, not a good movie, but out of the earnest movies, this is the least painful to sit through. Douglas Seal plays Santa with warmth and delight. The saving grace of this movie, three stars. Okay, so thank you, Matthew, for saying that because... I don't ever want to watch another Ernest movie on this platform. I mean, he's got a Halloween one. Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, we got from uh, uh, an anonymous person that gave it one and a half stars in 2014 saying, one of the worst holiday movies I've ever seen with one of the greatest Santa Clauses I've ever seen. What? <laughs> yeah, I, he did make a great Santa. He, just really, a dim did one. Make, he really did make a good, like a, a believable Santa goes to Orlando. Yeah. Yeah. September 9th, 2012, two stars. Really small children will get a kick out of this, but that's about all. Hey, <laughs> I laughed a few times. There were some genuine laughs here. Yeah. All right. Uh, in 2011, two stars. Uh, if you like dumb movies, capitalized, about dumb people, also capitalized, uh, then this is one for you. Too dumb for me. I can't believe they made sequels to this awful movie. Well, they, they didn't. didn't make sequels. No, they just made other Ernest movies. Yeah. The, and this was a sequel. In that same logic, this was a sequel of that, uh, of other Ernest movies. Well, in that same logic, uh, 
Goldeneye is a sequel to Thunderball. Yeah. It's the same universe, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. No um, awards. And, no <laughs> awards, no. But um, the Ernest character did win some daytime Emmys for the um for the Saturday morning sketch show. Oh, that's cool. Um, we can skip the ones that are copied and pasted because um I think this is more interesting. This was the first major uh feature film uh produced almost entirely in Orlando at the then unfinished Disney MGM Studios. Exterior oh, wow. scenes set at the house of the Ernest's friend Vern were filmed at a house located on Residential Street at the park, which was part of the studio backlot tour until it was demolished in 2002. Oh, rad. The remainder of the scenes were filmed in various locations in the greater Orlando area, including the Inter- Orlando International Airport, Epcot Center Drive, Lake uh, Elota, Church Street Station, which I think is the station, yeah. Orange Avenue, and downtown Orlando, a toll booth on the B-Line Expressway, um, the original uh, Orlando Science Space Center, which is now the John and Rita Lund's Shakespeare Center. And the Orlando Amtrak Station. So yeah. you were right. The Lake Mary Studios of then Fox affiliate WOFL-TV, Channel 35, which is now owned by Fox itself, were used for the Christmas sleigh film scenes as the station already had a promotional relationship with Jim Varney and the Ernest character. Other smaller scenes were filmed in Nashville. Rad. Fun. All right. So look. This is an Ernest movie through and through. If you don't like Ernest, you won't like the movie. If you like Ernest, it'll be a fun bit of nostalgia. Again, I, I've never really been a fan. So going into this, I there was a lot of eye rolls. There was a lot of uh and a lot of me. Um, so, but Josh did seem to have a good time. And it I, brought back a lot of memories. This is an, I, I haven't seen this yeah. since I probably saw it in theaters or rented it as a child thereafter. You know what yeah. I mean? If you like Ernest, yeah, I would say that's probably fine for a rewatch, but I didn't. But something you did like is Mickey's Runaway Railroad. We just spent a couple days in California and got to spend a whole day at Disneyland. It was so much fun. You finally got to build a lightsaber. I finally got to build a lightsaber. It was goddamn magical. And I mean, even watching Josh do it like the first time that we went. 2019 is before we moved to Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was magical then. It's still magical now. They really, they've kept it up. I think that's the thing. It's like the yeah. energy felt the same, which is uh, incredible for being years later. Mickey's Runaway Railroad is great. Web Shooters is super fun. Hurt my arms, but God, that was so much fun. Yeah. Uh, I was doing like this thing where like, uh, it's like snake arms <laughs> um, to shoot. Imagine Clancy was it. pretending his arms were cobras and that they were striking. Yeah. That's how Clancy shoots his webs. I just did karate chops. Uh, and even that wore me out. Yeah. I came home with an eye of Agamotto. You came home with your lightsaber. We got some matching cable knit sweaters. Oh my God. These sweaters are so cute. They're so cute. I got a giant sleep sweater that says pizza planet or sleep mm-hmm. shirt that says pizza. Pl- I don't know if it was meant for men, but it was big enough. It fit me. And so now I sleep in it. Anyway, we had a Just great straight time. Shirt cocking most of the time. Straight shirt cocking. And all of this to say we had a little bit of holiday magic in the parks and it was delightful it really was and we hope that wherever you are listening to this however you're listening to this that your holidays were magical as well mm-hmm. or at least not too awful yeah <laughs> you know stay away from political discussions at the at the uh christmas table or get confronting with them make confr- them shut up or yeah why or are confr- why do the dissonance why do the fucking conservative americans why are they the only ones who can get in your face yeah be like my sister tiffany and say, shut the fuck up or get the fuck out of my house. Exactly. Anyway, where can they find us on social media, Clancy? Well, they can find us on Twitter, which is now X, Facebook, and Instagram at nonpluspod. Yes, and you can email us at submissions at nonpluspod.com. Uh, your own Christmas wishes, your hopes for content in the new year, some stuff you might want us to cover on Hulu. That you've yeah, thought if you've got we, any ideas or if there's like, you know, there's something that's on Hulu that's like, ah, this would be really fun to hear their side. Send it in. Yeah, please. And keep an eye on our Instagram uh, specifically because when we drop hiatus episodes, we will announce them there. Of course, it'll pop up in your feed, but just, yeah. you know, they don't always come out in the same cadence. And to be fair, we're going to be talking probably about Echo and spoiling things about what if and stuff like that. Yeah, so, so if that's not your bag, you can skip right over it. But I mean, after you watch them, listen to it. Exactly. There it's more of like a supplementary material. Exactly. There we go. Pre-spoiler warning. Yeah. All right. And happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Whatever you celebrate. Yeah. We hope it's warm and merry and bright and have a wonderful and happy new year. That over there is my Yuletide husband Clancy. And over there is my snow laden no uh <clears throat> is my snow queen husband of a Josh. 
<laughs> we have been nonplussed. Follow la 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 nonplussed. Like that, they gathering my thoughts, gathering my thoughts, and then I'm gonna hit the marker. And they literally even give other names yeah. for him later in the movie, and it's just like, why, why wasn't it Nicholas Fumel or whatever? <laughs> uh, <you know. laughs> Famed alchemist Nicholas Flamel. So no one told you life was gonna be this way. So no one told you life was gonna be this way So no one told you life was gonna be Was gonna be this way You better watch out You better watch out You better watch out You better watch out (laughs) (laughs) Fall off the stool Joe's character um, Or uh, or Joe uh, In this is uh, why am I saying it like that? I don't know. Joe in this is is insanely like he's super like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I couldn't tell you. Oscar, no, not Oscar Isaac's with <laughs> Oscar De La Renta. No, it's uh, uh look, Oscar Isaac's makes more sense than Oscar De La Renta. <laughs> it does. It was Jag. Uh, <laughs> it was fucking what's his name? It was Din Djarin. It was Last of Us. It was. Everyone's screaming at the radio. We're not on the radio. Everyone's screaming at their earpods. His name is Pascal. Pedro Pascal. And remember to get 15% off your first loot crate order. Click our very special link in the episode description and use code nonplussed at checkout to get 15% off your purchase. Get your geek in the box. What? Geek in the box, girl. You're going to get us into trouble. I'll get to that. I just want to hit somebody till they feel as bad as I do. I just want to hit something. I want to hit it hard. Here. Hit this. Go ahead, Malin. Slopper. Are you crazy? Hit her. Are you high, Clary? Clary, have you lost your mind? We'll sell T-shirts saying I slapped Weezer Boudreau. Hit her. Miss Clary, enough. Weezer, this is your chance to do something for your fellow man. Knock her lights out, Malin! go of me! Malin, you just missed a chance of a lifetime. Half a chickapin parish will give the eye teeth to take a whack of ways up.